what's happening in the canine industry. For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Glenn. Yes, Pat. It's the circle jerk. Well, it's the circle jerk of ads. You guys are about to hear the 2022 circle jerk episode. Yes. But the most important part of this circle jerk is thanking our sponsors. The people who supported us all throughout the year. I will say becoming a sponsor of this show is not an easy thing to do. <laughs> because we, you, get to, we, you get to be roasted. We, <laughs> we'll tease you in the ads. But more importantly than that, we hardly ever check our emails. Yep. We don't have any sort of payment gateway system beyond Patreon. <laughs> We're giant pains in the ass to people who try to support us and we make it as difficult as we can through laziness. Yes, we do. But these are the people who have managed to break through that mm-hmm. and do support the show fought through our laziness and our resistance in order. First person <laughs> off the circle jerk, cab rank. Yep. The Einzer Wiener. Einzer Wiener. So Jason's been the original sponsor of the show from episode one, wanted yep. to sponsor the show, told him to fuck off. Eventually we <laughs> said, hey, Jason, we need new microphones. You can buy them. Yep. And he's been supporting the show ever since. Number two on the circle jerk cab rank is canine suticles. Canine suticles. Oh, my God. Mm. No shit. It works. It does. My yep. dog's on it. Yep. It's the best. Yep. Narelle, you killed it. You've done so well. We're extremely proud of you. Next on the Circle Jerk rank is Rowdy Hound. Rowdy Hound. Yep. Horny George. Horny George. Most beautiful man in the dog training industry. Absolutely. Invented himself a really cool dog box. That we got to hear from. Yeah, we the saw origin. the prototype. We, yeah, saw, we saw the, the prototype. prototype. Yeah, that's yep. right. If you're going to ride around a motorbike with a dog on it, you're crazy. If you do that with the dog just hanging onto your back, like what are you going to do? Just strap a seatbelt to the dog? Some people do. They strap it to the tank. It's so (laughs) unsafe. And yet he's created a system that if there is an unfortunate event on your motorcycle, your dog has a- Better chance of survival than you. A significantly higher chance because it's basically in its own armored shell. Yep. Yep. Who's next? Next in the rank is Dan Croft. Dan Croft. Yep. Running his school out of Canada there, yeah. training puppies, killing it. He sends yeah. me a lot of bulldog footage that I am he appreciating does recently. does a great service for the bulldog industry where mm-hmm. other people will shun them. Mm-hmm. Dan Croft invites them in and from puppies to adults, from basic obedience all the way up to advanced and bite work and all sorts of fun sports like a GRC sort of activity that they mm-hmm. do there. It looks like an incredible training It center. really does, yeah. And he's a great guy to deal with. Mm-hmm. Next, we have Mojo Dog Gear. That's Fabian's little dog shop attached to Found Chicago. I didn't even know he had a little dog shop until you told me that he has one. Yeah, I stole a tug from there while I was there. And he supported our show. He does, absolutely supports the show. It's a great, it has an online store, Mojo, go check it out. Yep. Sells all the good gear. He has actually all the good gear. In all honesty, it's probably the best by a long shot dog store that you can go into to buy stuff for real dog trainers. You yep. know what I mean? Like yeah, I you go to a you pet mean. store, it's yeah. all just junk. Yeah. It's not actual dog trainer gear. Everything from Martin Systems e-collars to mills and training vests. Oh, wow. And all the normal, you know, chuck balls and all the normal crap that you get in a, a normal but dog the good store, stuff, but the, the high quality stuff. stuff that actual dog trainers yeah, actually yeah. want. So if you're in Chicago, go there, but otherwise just get online. Yeah, great. Last, but certainly not least, Barbara DeGroote. From the heart dog training. 
And she just supports us, Barbara. She just she didn't even care about being named on the show. Didn't even tell us. She just threw money at us and yep. said, Oh, well, if you want to. Yeah. You know why she's such a nice person? She brought Wyler person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel terrible because I don't really look in the back end of Patreon at the money or anything like that, right? I, I, I deliver my deliverables, but I don't really look at any of that. Yep. And I was with Barbara earlier in the year and didn't acknowledge what oh, I, that's, that. No, because I had Barbara. no idea. I know. I, I had know. no idea. Yeah. So amazing. I mean, I spoke to her. I had a wonderful time with her, but I didn't bring that up. So anyway, you guys, all of you, you're about to hear a big circle joke, but first, like, it's you first. Yes, you get and the first jerking in the circle. If you want to support the show- Support those guys absolutely, and it's like everything you need. If you're in the dog, if you're a dog trainer or you're in the industry or whatever, through them you can get everything. If you're not looking at their gear online, then what are you doing? All right, begin the show. Okay. Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in studio today by my co-host, Glenn Cook, and we are about to do a circle jerk. It's been demanded. <laughs> did you see it online, how many people want to be jerked? <laughs> I did. I told you. I told you in the last I episode. Yeah. I said people will I feel get like upset you, if we don't jerk them. You led them on. You led did them. Did I? Did yeah. I? With my randy little- You led them. Mm. Okay. Time for a circle jerk. We haven't done one for a year. Yep. 2023 is about to drop on our lap. Yep. Well, probably- by the time you get this out, right, it'll be, this will be first episode of 2023. Nope. It'll be before. Oh, 20, wow. Yeah. It'll be before New Year's. I'm oh going to do goodness. it before that. Oh my goodness. So that way it's going to be bringing in the new year. Okay. Yep. Wonderful. And, and I'll tell you what, I'm actually happy to leave this year behind me. Yeah? Yeah. Well, how come? Give us the rundown. I'm going to talk personally. I'm not going to talk about some of the trials and tribulations other people have shared with me. There's been plenty of them. And I think it's that sort of end of that COVID year too. Things yeah. certainly got better but they've still been fluctuating in and out of it. And things are just starting to settle back into place. Mm -hmm. But I got tested a little bit this year, mainly by people. It's mm -hmm. always by people. The experiences I think that many of us have by life are from people. And there were certainly some people who fucking pulled some strings this year for me. And I'm happy to leave them into 2022 mm -hmm. and start 2023 without them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For that, I'm more than happy to step into a new year with the right people around me mm -hmm. and the wrong people can just stay where they are. Have you got goals for 2023? Do you do that? Are you a sit down and plot out your goals guy? To a degree. I have a lot of smaller goals that are more achievable. Definitely one of the goals for this year is to get back in shape again. I let myself go during this year. Like mm -hmm. I said, it was a year of fuckery for me mm -hmm. and, um, you know, that sort of reflects in mental health and physical fucking appearance as well, I think. Mm -hmm. There's certainly people online that I've been speaking to that have shared that same sort of contemplation. Mm -hmm. Going back to what I was talking about before, one of the things that I found, some of those personality types, one of the areas which I always found very fascinating about them is they hate it when you treat them the same way that they've been treating you, like when you reflect back onto them, the behavior that they've been giving you, mm. they fucking hate it and they protest so goddamn loudly. Mm. What is it with that with people? Do you not understand that you're getting back what you're giving? Mm. I know that sounds negative. I'm going to dip into the darkness and then we're going to head back into the light okay. a little bit for this episode. I feel like I need to get this off my chest because there's been several people that have behaved horribly. Okay. And yet they think they're wonderful. They have this belief of themselves that they're this incredible person that everywhere they go, they shower people with pixie dust and unicorns and rainbows. 
yet I don't know whether to feel sorry for them or have contempt for them because I don't know if they understand what negative vortexes of energy they are mm. and how they bring that upon themselves yet fail to see it. Mm. I don't hate them. I just believe that the best thing for everybody is to create distance between them. Mm. So in 2023, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to create distance from people that I just find uh, entirely problematic. Mm -hmm. I feel that that is a good thing. The other word that it gets bandied around a lot is loyalty, that people have this construct in the head of loyalty. And I wrote something down. Oh, my God, you've got a notepad and you've written stuff. I've got one thing. It's a quote that I wrote down. I just wanted to make sure I did it justice. And it says, the only people I owe my loyalty to are the people that never made me question theirs. Mm. There was a person in a discussion a while ago that defended me against a group of people and the group of people I don't care for. I don't have any love loss or anything for these group of people, but they were tearing me apart. And this one person, and they didn't tell me this, somebody else in the group told me, they said, hey man, I'm just going to let you know this discussion happened and this person got up and ripped shred through the other people and corrected them and mm -hmm. told them where they were wrong, why they were wrong. This person isn't really somebody that I would consider a close friend. I was absolutely fucking godsmacked that a person would take the time out of their day to stand up for me. That's a person of measure. Mm. You know, like I've never, I've never really been heavily involved in this person's life, but I kind of thought to myself, that's miraculous. Mm -hmm. Now I've had close friends that won't do the same thing. They'll sit in silence and rather than create a problem for themselves, they won't say anything. They'll just mm. sit there in silence, allow the other group to fucking go for it. There's been a few times where I've stood up for people and it's cost me. It's cost me friendships. It's cost me problems and so forth like that. But how often are we going to let these people get away with their shit? Mm. We've called out some people throughout the year. We're talking about a wrap up of the year. We've called out some training communities and so forth. There are some people doing some horrendous and ugly things and nobody's really calling them out for it. Nobody's mm. standing up to them and saying, hey, mate, I think you're entirely wrong. Mm. And what you're doing is bad for the community or it's bad for dog training. It's bad for relationships. It's bad for whatever. I just feel that maybe not enough of that happened. Mm. Which is going to lead me into the conversation that, and I'm going to say this name because it's not defamatory what I'm going to say because this person went out online and said it, mm. but there was a real put up by Zach George where mm. he started to label male balanced trainers mm. as potentially misogynist. Mm. I was quite taken back by that. Mm. And there were a lot of people in the industry, not just white men like ourselves, but also people, women, women of colour, people around the world that were kind of like, wow, that was uncalled for, Zach. Mm. And I really feel that Zach should be called out for that. Yeah. Because I, th I really feel that, that was an unnecessary and very, very disappointing post. The industry I'm in and the workplace that I'm a part of, we are majority young women. And mm. the backs of many young women have helped build this business up. We've gone from a business that many years ago struggled and really found it difficult to find its foothold in what we did. And through some good business choices, through the management team, and certainly some of the great work that hordes of young women have done in this industry, we've become a very successful and a very large business that's continuing to see growth and we'll see more into 2023. I'm really proud of that and I'm exceptionally proud of them. We have never chosen a woman over a man or a man over a woman 
if we've got the right person to do the job. Mm -hmm. But the right people to do the job in our industry seems to be young women. And it doesn't matter if they're old women. It doesn't matter if they're gay women. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. None of that matters. We don't give a shit about that. Mm. All we want is people in our industry that can do the work, want to do the work, care about the animals, care about the industry. That's all we care about. And I am a balanced trainer, proud and loud about being a balanced trainer. If I was a misogynist, why wouldn't I try and get young men in the industry instead? Mm. We'd be dead in the water if that's what we tried to do because women favour this job anyway, but they're better at it. They're more compassionate. They're just better at the job. We've Mm. got young men that work for us. We've got older men that work for us. We've got a combination of anyone. However, it always goes to the right person, the person that can do this job. And I will extend that to other colleagues in the industry as well who happen to be white men in the balanced dog training industry that are so proud and so fortunate to have young women and women in their organisation that they absolutely adore and do a marvellous job and they hold them up. Mm. So, Zach, I think you're out of line with what you said there, mate. Mm. I really think you need to go back and, and, and examine that because, yeah, misogyny exists. It does exist but so does horrible behaviour on either party. There are both parties that do wrongs by each other. All I see in the fields of people that I work with is people holding each other up regardless of what sex they are. I think that's the issue with what he said is that certainly all around the world there are people, not just in dogs, in in everything, in every facet of everything, there's sexism and in some forms misogyny everywhere you look, right? And I think that- just making a blanket statement and then trying to tie that just strictly to balanced training actually does quite a disservice to the people who are being mistreated or are being oppressed. And I think it's easy for us to say that's not happening because we don't see that because I just wouldn't associate with someone that was doing that. We wouldn't be around anybody who was sexist in this industry because frankly, I don't think you can survive. I don't think that you can continue in the industry and you're really not welcome if you are doing that. I think that you and I and everybody we sort of encounter, I think dog training truly is a meritocracy. I think that you just do the best that you can and you're rewarded for your efforts. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. But there are people who are just fuckwits and they will take a disliking to people because of many reasons. And that could be because of their gender. That could be because of their sexual orientation. That could be because of their their race, their color. There could be people who make those decisions. The people they support in politics, whatever. Yeah, Yeah. there's people who make those decisions. I feel like that's a sacred going after those people and highlighting what they've done and choosing not to associate with them or whatever you you do, I feel like that's a sacred thing that has to be reserved for when it actually happens Yep. because it's important that that isn't allowed to continue. And to just throw out the way that he did this random like, oh, well, there's misogyny in the dog training industry and it's all balanced trainers that do it. It's male balanced trainers are all misogynists. Words they, to that effect. Yeah, that's mm. certainly what he was trying to imply. I just think that's a very heinous thing to do because that just kind of waters down the message. Like I think most people that looked at that probably just went, oh, God. Like I think almost everybody saw that for what it is, was a desperate cry for attention by a man who is obsessed with his social media following. No, disappointingly, there were female groups in the the force-free community that were sharing around and said, finally, somebody said it. Yeah, but I mean, to what end? If somebody is doing what he's saying – Let's name those people and let's identify the issue and let's take steps to rectify it. Just putting it out there and saying the balance training, men in balance training are misogynists, 
that does harm to if that is really happening, like by who and where, and let's call them out. Recently, we touched on it just a tiny bit a few episodes ago. There was a big call out of a seriously dangerous person in the force free community. And there's a whole website dedicated to this. Yeah. That is the sort of thing that needs to happen when somebody is actually found to be behaving inappropriately. But you can't just label everybody in the balanced training community or men in the balanced training community as being misogynist. Like yeah. that is just an outrageous thing to do because there probably are actually misogynist people or sexist people or racist people or whatever. And those as individuals need to be dealt with rather than just putting this blanket on all of us because it just waters down the message. Mm-hmm. It just makes it, it just makes it, it's just noise. And I think it got exactly what he wanted. He just got a bunch of attention. Here we are talking about it. And that's really, that's his metric is just attention for himself like that. Mm. And it doesn't help anybody really. Yes, it was very disappointing and a hundred percent agree. I think that when you look at the delivery of it, it creates further divide on something that's already experiencing he, divide. He requires that divide. He needs that divide. He needs to keep balanced trainers as the enemy because there's no discernible skill set in his force free training. When you look at him, what sets him apart from anybody else Mm. is that he says the things that he thinks will get a a following rather than produces the work that is worthy of being followed. That's a good point. Anyway. Anyway, moving on, I think that, as I said, (laughs) now that we've sort of dipped our toe in the dark pond, let's bring it back into the light. Because I don't want to make the entire episode about something that's all about the it's negativity. It's a hell of a way to start the circle jerk, Glenn. Yeah, well, that's what I said. I'm going to lead it back into the jerking. Yeah. We just sort of touched on the tugging, but now back to the jerking. Okay. Let me ask you, what do you feel has been some of your greatest accomplishments this year? For me, it was a huge year of dog training. Like, started out the year very bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And I know we've talked about this in the podcast, but, you know, to wrap up, when I got COVID, I don't know, something happened. I didn't... I want to say depressed. I think that's a strong word, but I just was like, just not into it. And that was around the time that the Queensland prong collar band first came up when that sort of first showed its head. And it was just a lot of things that made me feel like I wanted to leave the industry. Made me feel like that a lot. Yeah. We had some pretty dynamic talks. Yeah. Mm. And I had really been getting into the sort of content creation space and had been looking to do, like I had been helping with a friend of mine doing that and as I say, in the end, I ended up getting a full-time job and didn't last long. It's actually, you know, it's my first ever job when I worked for Matt. Really? Yeah, I've never had. Other like, than the army. I mean, I was an apprentice for a year before I joined the army, but the army isn't a normal job, right? Like it's a very different thing. It's not a nine to five. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's as, it's as far from a nine to five as you can imagine. Mm. And then when I'm out of the army, I, I really, I was contracting and I suppose that Although I call myself a dog trainer, I suppose that I'm something of an entrepreneur. Like I just take opportunities that are there, right? I don't think of myself as an entrepreneur, but I'm just a person that sort of does the work that is presented to me and that people ask of me to do. Mm. And for the most part, that's in the dog training space. And so when I started working for Matt, who's like one of my closest friends, asked me to come on board to help him just do some social media stuff. And that was meant to be very part-time and before too long that turned into more than full-time and was building a team for him. And like, it was a, you know, I was really in the business. I did like it very much. Mm. I convinced myself that I was happy to not be training dogs full-time again. And I enjoyed the content creation stuff. I really did. And I ended up having, you know, a lot of success with some of the stuff that we made. I made some good ads for people. I did a lot of creative work, which I really enjoyed doing. I got to build a team and was sort of the a leader for a while because I don't have employees, you know, 
as far as work colleagues, you and Jazz are probably the closest thing I have to work colleagues. Like we do the podcast together, but that's not work. That's me and you talking bullshit into microphones <laughs> and me and Jazz train dogs together. But again, we're not like we're beholden to each other. We just are sort of training partners in many ways. So I don't have a workplace and I don't have work friends or anything like that. So it was fun for me to have that for the first time since leaving the army or really in the first time ever, because it's really different in the army. Mm. And I enjoy managing people. I enjoy motivating people. I enjoy sort of pushing productivity and, and stuff like that. So I was having a good time and I was enjoying it. And I think that I convinced myself that I was not enjoying dogs and I was just scared. Honestly, I was just scared. Let's talk about why you were scared. Yeah. So really it was the prong collar thing and I felt the noose coming around my neck mm. because it's important to sort of think historically, I was kicked out of the army. Yeah. I was kicked out. I, I fractured my back. I bulged through discs. The list of injuries that I is on my discharge paperwork is that my back's broken in two places. I've got three bulge discs. I've got labral tears in both my hips. The surgeries that I need, I've got to have my back fused. I've got to have my disc replaced. I've got to have both my hips replaced. My knee, I can't even remember the name of what's wrong with my knee, but it's fucked. And in my left foot where there should be sesamoid bones, I have mush. And your sesamoid bones are kind of like your, your kneecap to your big toe. They mm. kind of perform the same function, but from a different angle. So I have to have that fused at some point as well. Did I ever tell you about the conversation I had with the guy, the surgeon? Yes. <laughs> he told me I wouldn't be able to run. And I was like, but what if a lion's chasing me? I was like, I can run. It'll just hurt, right? He's like, no, mechanically, you will, you will not be able to run. And I was like, well, I'm not doing that. What if I get chased by a lion? With all these injuries that you're talking about, are you just holding out until you have to have them? Is that what, what yeah. the plan is? Yeah. I saw a bunch of different surgeons when I first broke my back and there were a few different options. And then the guy that I ended up seeing that I liked and decided like if and when I get surgery, it'll be from him. He talked me out of getting surgery. He was like, no, you you don't – you like clinically looking at your scans for sure without me meeting you. If, if I just look at these scans and read these reports, I'm booking you in. But here looking at you, you're holding it together. So you should wait because back surgery of that type is kind of a one-shot deal. And then he's like, technology is getting better and better. If I put a big fusion, if I fuse three of your vertebrae together – then they're stuck there forever like that. And, you know, if we come up with something better, then there's not a lot we can do about that because it's done. Um, and similarly, hip replacements don't really last. That's a sort of 15 year, maybe 20 years max that you get out of a hip replacement, which means, you know, when I, I was 35, when they first realized that, I was, no, younger than that, I was 32 or something like that when they first realized that I needed that. And so they were like, you know, you're in for two or three of these in your, the remainder of your life. Mm. And since it's both hips, same deal. I saw another surgeon who then wanted to do like a hip resurfacing and then a different surgeon talked me out of that and was like, nah, that'll just speed up how quickly you need the replacements. My hips sort of half genetic, half the army's fault, right? So like my hips aren't a great shape as it is. Right. My dad has had a double hip replacement, but in his seventies, not in his thirties. Mm. And so the advice about it all was, except for the big toe, the big toe guy was all about it. He was like, we need to fuse up this toe. <laughs> I was like, no Has way. it been done or is it not done? Nah, no, okay. not done. Mm. So I didn't get any of it. I didn't, didn't do any of it because that was my concern. Like individually, when you talk to these surgeons, individually, they're all, yes, this is the surgery for the injury that you have, but it's very hard to find anyone that can look at that whole list you know, holus bolus and say, well, this is how you'll actually be affected if we do all of these things. Mm. Because, you know, surgeons and specialists, they're, they're specialists. They're exactly that. They know the toe guy knew feet, right? And the, the back surgeon knows backs. 
the whole thing together, I just decided that I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait as long as I possibly can and hopefully never get it if I can keep it together. And when I eventually do have to have those operations, I'll get whatever is available then. And hopefully that'll be something then better than what's available now. He actually, the guy that talked me out of getting my back done, there's already been, and his name's on the patent. So he knew full well that it was coming out. There's already like a better synthetic disc than what they were going to do to my discs initially. When he was like, we will have invented something better by the time it comes around, he knew exactly what he was talking about because he had invented it, just hadn't got approval to use it yet. And so he was like, you don't want what's available today because in 18 months, there's a new thing. But God knows in 10 years when I eventually sort of need it or 20 years or whenever it is, who knows will actually be available. Mm. So I got kicked out of the army for all those injuries, right? Like not kicked out as in booted, but it was somewhat amicable. Like the army let me stay in for four years post breaking my back until I sort of got to the point where I was like, hey, I can't do this anymore. I'm a liability to you guys more than I am a, a help. And so I got kicked out. And that was a big issue for me because I had planned to be in the army my entire life. I didn't have another plan. I didn't, it, it, I wasn't preparing for anything else. Like, yes, I was into dogs and was really into training. And, but that wasn't with any intent to do it for a job. To be honest, like we've discussed on the show, I actually didn't really fully realize that that could be a job or a job that I could do. I don't want to like sort of overstate it, but it definitely was a probably the most anxiety I've ever sort of felt leaving the army, sort of not knowing what I was going to do. Mm. And like the army will give you a pension, like that you get like what they call like a ta- salary top up kind of thing. So they're like, you'll be paid not your full salary for the rest of your life, but like an amount that if you don't make enough, if you don't earn enough as a person, like we will top you up to like 70% of what you made when you're in the army, because like we broke you, it's our fault not the full amount, but like you have to get a job. And if you can't at all, we'll give you that much. And you get that for, you know, as long as whenever it is, I don't know, the rest of your life, I suppose. But I don't want to do that. You're right. Like, I don't want to be a person that does that. So I was quite lost. And having been in the army for so long, like 12 and a half years, it's not like a huge amount, but it was the, my entire adult life to that point. Like I'd never not been in the army as an adult. I joined when I was 19. So I really didn't know who I was if I wasn't that. Well, you threw everything at it, right? Yeah, I was fully committed. And Mm. I think one of the issues sort of like even the clothes that I wore, because like I used to work out of uniform in the army quite a lot. And so you wear the things of the places that you go. So like the army has this dress code system, right? Like it's a numbered system. Um, um, like lots of North Face and Merrill and no, but see, I walk <laughs> no, but I work in the like you can't wear that stuff area. Oh, really? Right? Okay, yeah, yeah, because like it you, shows off that you're. Yeah, an army I mean, person. you can pick those like the contractor uniform yes. a mile away, right? <laughs> um, although sometimes you're meant to wear that because that's part of the what you want to look like. Yep. But so there's a numbered system, right? Like, and you knew if you get told you're wearing threes, that's like jeans and t-shirt, right? Like you know, like what you're wearing to go to certain places because that's the appropriate thing. And so one of the things I kind of realized when I left the army, I was like, I don't even have my own fashion sense. Like, I don't even know what the fuck I wear when I go to work because I would wear everything from a flight suit to a three-piece suit, you know, like a Nomex flight suit that a pilot would wear to wearing a a three-piece suit and all kinds of things in between all week. Like I'd be doing the different jobs or wearing the appropriate clothing. Mm. And it's not like I was so indoctrinated, like wearing a uniform every day, like, cause I, like I said, I hardly ever wore a uniform, but I realized I don't even know who the fuck I am if I'm not this, I really don't know. And it was a, it was difficult. And in the end, I sort of, 
uh, that's why you look at when I first got out and you'd remember, like I used to wear the same clothes every day. I wore the same little like MSK like outfit. It was, I wore khaki pants, black t-shirt with a logo on it. And that's all I ever wore because I just was like, well, that's who I am now. That's your identity. Right? Like Mm. that's who I am because I really didn't know. Mm. It took me a long time to kind of figure out who I am and I'm this. And then I realized as these more and more laws are kind of coming in and there was more and more ridiculousness in the dog training space that like eventually balanced training as a whole is going to be made illegal. Dog ownership as a whole is going to be made illegal. That We are on that trajectory. I don't know the timeline on these things, but it's happening for sure. And the pendulum will likely swing back. There'll be revolt against it. I think what will be super interesting you know, now with the prong collar thing in Queensland was like, who's tracking the euthanasia stats? I think that's going to be very interesting when we in six months have a look and go pre prong collar ban, you know, average euthanasia per month is this much. They, they, they won't give a fuck about that, mate. No, but eventually. I mean, you can show them all the statistics because that's been put on their desk now. Yeah. I remember way back in Victoria when there was a really enormous bunch of dedicated people who really collated non-emotional, factual, scientifically backed data about prong collars and they put it on the Minister of Agriculture's table and he was like blown away with how much research and development had gone into this team and he placated people. He, He had them come in and sit down and talk to him. But, mate, nothing that they did mattered. It was yeah. all going in the bin. Yeah. And you could just fucking tell. That's the thing that I really despise about politicians is they're bought and sold before the event. Like yeah. somebody has gotten in their pocket already. Yeah, totally. And it's too late. But so it will swing back eventually. Maybe not in our lifetime. Maybe not before the downfall of society. Well, the good thing is, is the remote collars did because they were banned in Victoria as well, but then they lightened it up and changed it. So that was a beacon of hope. Yeah. So anyway, as that was happening, I kind of had, again, not a panic attack. Like I don't want to overstate it and say that I was really like in a bad way, but it just occurred to me. I was like, fuck, I'm about to be kicked out of a second profession. Like it totally, without it being any of my fault whatsoever, what I do, I am not going to be allowed to do anymore. And I realized like, fuck, I'm going down with the ship again. And so I need to start thinking, what else can I do? And that's when I thought, well, I really like this film stuff that I'm doing. I like making content. I enjoyed the storytelling aspect of it. Mm. I think of myself realistically, like that's, that's how I like to teach, especially when I teach in dog training is I like to teach through storytelling. I think that that is really effective. I think that it's kind of the oldest form of teaching. I like doing that. I really enjoy it. And so I was like, well, I need to find a different way to do that because I'm not going to be allowed to continue doing what I do. I had convinced myself that I wanted to leave the dog industry. The truth is I didn't want to leave at all. I just was terrified of what was happening and I needed to feel secure for a while. So that's when I started working for Matt. Like I say, that started out as the original original deal I had with him was that I was going to shoot one YouTube video for him a week. That was it. Right. Like yep. that was all I was going to do. And then it was like, oh, can you be on the podcast with me? Yep. Of course I can. Can you edit the podcast? Yep. Can you do all the like, blah, blah, can you make these ads? Can you do this? And I was like, yeah, of course. Like why not? Right. And then one day I got to the point where I said to him like, Hey, I think I work here full time. He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's a full time wage. And I was yep. like, okay, cool. But then I was speaking at the ICP conference and I had organized to do the seminar and boot camp in Chicago with Fabian. And I had a lot of hesitation about doing those. I I was very concerned about 
just going, you know, travel was still restricted at that point, like a little bit, not as bad as it was, but it was still difficult. Yeah, I saw um, your anxiety around it. Yeah, it was, mm. and there's all these concerns about, you know, I have a young family and like I don't want to get COVID in a foreign country and be stuck there for a period, right? Like there's issues around that. And so I was very hesitant and I was sort of thinking that seminar and that boot camp that I was doing and, and the speech at the ICP thing might be kind of like a last sort of hurrah for me in the dog training space. But in fact, it was the total opposite. It was that the moment I landed and I was immersed in it again, and I actually said at Sales Sniper, we, like I said, hey, I'm going to be really busy. I'm doing this stuff and I'm, I'm committed to it. Everybody who knows me personally kind of knows that I very much commit to what I'm doing in the moment. So I'm, I'm not good at doing two things. I'm not good at sort of working remotely and doing what I'm doing. When I'm doing a seminar or something like that, like my phone's off and I don't communicate on anything else other than that because I'm with the people who have paid to get my information. I want to give them 100%. I also, you know, like want to be with people out of hours. I don't think of it as a nine to five. It is like I'm available to those people for the entire duration which they have paid to have me there. And so I told the guys, like we, we prepped enough content, like it was all loaded into the social media stuff. There was no reason to get in contact with me. And they were watching on my social media of like what I was doing when I was gone. And then when the day I got back, Matt's like, you're quitting, aren't you? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And I just said, I love doing this stuff, but that's what I do. Like, mm. that's what I do. And it actually was like my year went full circle. I didn't fall out of love with the dog training industry, not at all. I just got scared that I was going to get kicked out. Right. And, and I chose to leave myself. Mm. And now I'm, I'm back and I'm more back than I've ever been. Like I'm more committed to this industry and what I do within it now than I've ever been in the past. I'm, I'm more in than I ever have because I've felt what it's like to feel the absence of it. And I also realized that if the noose tightens around my neck in, in regards to that stuff, I am prepared to go down with the ship in that. And, and I think one of the things of leaving the army Something that's really important to, for people in the army to understand, and I didn't until I was out, is that you are just a very small cog in a very big machine. And no matter what job you do within the army, you are replaceable instantly. They won't bat a fucking eyelid. And the army has to be that way. Loads of people in the army use the discharge as a threat. Like, oh, fuck you, I'll discharge if you do that. And, you know, sometimes that can work. But it very rarely has any effect because you're replaceable and you have to be. That's the point. Like the whole point of the army is that like you could be killed at any minute and mm. you, the army has to keep going forward. No one can be irreplaceable. There, there was a period that sort of shocked me. Well, not shocked me, but made me feel a certain way because we had two key guys at my work get killed in action and a third uh, get shot badly. And they were sort of peers of mine and sort of in the same career progression as me. Two of them were senior to me and another was sort of like a peer about the same, but they were all people that could do my specific job. And that left me somewhat irreplaceable for a short period. And that's how I stayed in for that four years was mm. that I was put on a critical skills waiver, right? So where they said, we can't replace you. Yep. I think I got too kind of like cocky with the idea that I couldn't be replaced. And then, you know, you leave the army and you just see like nothing changes. Right? Mm. Like I still work for those same guys, the unit, they're all killing it. They're all like the unit marches on. If you're not there to pull the slack, someone else will. Like they just have to work harder until you have been replaced. Like they just have to find a way. And that's the thing in the army is like, you just realize, like I realized that somebody else just has to replace you. That's just how it has to go. But the mission will continue. The mission will absolutely continue. 
And what I realized in sort of this space is I was like, if I stop doing what I'm doing now, if I stop educating people, if I stop training dogs, if I stop advocating for what is real dog training, not saying I'm the best at it, not saying that I'm the lone ranger, not saying that, you know, I'm better than anybody else, but I am just one of the people doing it. If I stop, then there are in, until the lunatics do take over the asylum until the lunatics do take over and we can no longer use the tools. I'm leaving a void that isn't filled until that time. Mm. And I realized like, why am I stopping doing that preemptively? Because I'll always be able to pivot. It won't be comfortable. If I had to leave the dog training space, if, if every dog on the planet died today, I'd be very upset, (laughs) but I'll be able to pivot into something else. Mm. I think I demonstrated that to myself and so now I'm back. I'm back holus bolus. I'm in more than I've ever been before. And I feel really good about it. So mm. like, that's my, that's my sort of arc of the year, my trajectory of what happened to me this year. And I know we've touched on that and we've mentioned it many times. So people are probably sick of hearing about it, but it was a big year for me in that regard. And I feel really good about dog training and teaching it again. I'm really enjoying the dogs that I am training. I'm sad that my own dogs are aging out. You know, Valerie turns nine in a few days, mm. right? Yeah. Um, Randy just turned nine. It's not wild. Hey, yeah, and for the first time ever, I saw him getting old. Yeah, we went for a play out in the Oval the other day, and I saw him hobbling along, and he even chased after something, and he slid and sort of tumbled. Yeah, where usually he's such a stoic sort of dog. Yeah, that you just never see that side of him, and I realized, oh man, you're getting old. Mm-hmm. That's confronting. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Valerie's old. Remy is, you know, his body's still falling apart. I love him more than anything, but he's not. I just can't imagine how we can compete in anything again. Like I'm not officially saying we're never going to because if a trial comes up and on that day he's in health, then I'll keep that open. I'm not saying we're not going to do it, but I just, it just seems pretty unlikely. Yep. But I'm finding a lot of value in the people that I am helping. I've rediscovered the way to find real happiness, not sort of saying it and saying I'm happy for the people, but really feeling it myself being happy for the people who I help achieve success with their dogs. You absolutely have to. Yeah. You have to experience that and you have to be a part of it. You have to be plugged into it. Yeah. And real true joy. Like I'm as happy as them. And in some cases more happy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I had an instance, you know, like I'll name, I'm sure she won't mind. Like Kim, a lady was at the event that I did in Chicago and she had had many attempts at a level one with her older dog. And the dog, were, you know, had some nervy, like it's not a, a super dog, right? It's a great dog. It's her dog, blah, 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 right? Like I'm not saying the dog's crap, but she'd had real struggles getting her PSA one. And she came to the seminar and then I just gave her some tips about some ways to manage some things. She trained during the week. She got a level one that weekend and messaged me and thanked me and said that, in fact, the things that she had done during the week had led directly to a success in the trial. Mm. Now, I was a tiny, tiny part of that. She's got years and years and years of fucking hard work and slog and putting in the effort. But when she messaged me that and I read the message, I was like, holy shit, I was happy. Like to know that I was just a tiny piece in that, but an important piece that led to success. Like I say, it's more than happy for myself. There's a couple of layers to that happiness. Like the first there is, of course, the first is like, Oh, I'm happy that I knew the answer. Right. And that I was able to look good in this. Mm. Of course there's that, right? Like good for me. I knew the answer and I was able to give it to you and you were able to achieve success. But then the next layer and the much more important layer 
is that I was really fucking happy for the fact that she'd done it. Like I was really overwhelmed and I imagine myself in her position of slogging it that hard to get that title on that dog. And then, you know, having that as the, that is like, that's what I want to achieve. And she's got another dog that she's going to do awesome things with, but that dog was like, I want to get that title and then I can focus on the other one. And to like, I put myself in her shoes and think about how good that would have felt. And then I feel that good myself. I feel that happiness myself. Mm. And like that feeling is incredible. Like I say, I didn't lose that, but I, I was a bit numb to it for a while where I just was like, oh yeah, cool. Like you got the thing. Congrats. Right. Like I'm happy that that worked out. I'm happy for you, mm. but I'm not happy myself. Do you know what I mean? But now I'm back to of being course I do. Yeah. truly like that makes me fucking happy. And like when we did the trial out here, everybody in the club got what they were going for. Mm. Right. Like uh, everybody went up one notch to the next level. So the whole club progresses and the feeling of, I don't have a word for it. There probably is a word. It's probably some German word that sounds terrible. <laughs> like where I'm truly happy that it happened and I'm not happy for you. I'm not happy that I was a contributor to it. Like I feel the other people's, the good thing that happened to them feels as good to me as it does to them. I think the summary of that word is accomplishment mm -hmm. because I feel that too when it happens. Sometimes it's pride. It is a little mm. pride, but also it's a sense of accomplishment. And to share in that story, there's a colleague of mine and somebody who came and did the NDTF course with me a while ago, a guy called Josh Blau, and I think he's done online with you as yep. well. Yep. I love Josh. He's absolutely one of my favourite people. Like I can't tell you how much I love the guy. Mm -hmm. He's just – he reminds me of the best of us. Mm -hmm. He really is such a good dude. It's funny you say that because he said almost the same thing about you. <laughs> So but, you guys a little bromance going on? Oh, look, I sincerely love him. We, he calls me big brother. I call him little brother. Okay. You know, like we have become family to each other. He's a yoga master. He's traveled the world teaching people yoga. He's an accomplished guitarist and he's helped me get over some points that I've had in guitaring. Now he's taken on dog training and I've seen him post things where people have left great reviews for him. And I, I message him. I say, man, I'm so proud of you. You know, I'm so proud. And he goes, oh man, I couldn't have done it without you. That makes me feel good. But as Morpheus says to Neo in The Matrix, I only showed you the door. You had to go through it. Mm. People showed me the door and I had to go through it. And there are people who were proud when I accomplished things and felt good when I accomplished things and you accomplished things. It's like this huge swell of energy that everybody gets to swim in that pool for a little bit of time. Mm. That's why I call it accomplishment because that's what you're trying to accomplish. When you're taking on students and when you're trying to teach people something and you can see them growing, you think, oh, my God, legacy is a great word to use as well. Like you look at it and you think, fuck, the legacy is coming true. The accomplishment is coming true. Mm. I'm seeing these people thrive and survive. I'm seeing the fulfillment of the industry going forward. And I got to have a little push. It was like the momentum of getting behind a car and pushing it out of a bog. Yeah. Like you're one of those people who made that momentum and gave it to that person and gave them the ability to be able to use it. Yeah. It's a really good feeling. Like when you're talking about a circle jerk, that is really the essence of what a circle jerk is because yeah. everybody gets to share in it. And so many wins happen from that. Dogs win. Customers win. Yeah. The person with the business wins, you win, and the people that showed you won. You know, there's yeah. so many people who get to share on that. We talk about it a lot in PSA or any of the dog sports or even just companies and so forth is 
there's a village behind that person. There's a whole group of people who rose that person up. Mm. You might be the one standing on the box holding the trophy, but there is a whole group of people behind you that supported you, that showed you, that mentored you, that taught you, that made your lunch for you, that gave you a good word, that talked you up when you were feeling low. Like there were so many people involved. Mm. It's like making a cake. There are so many things that go into it. And then you just look at it at the end and go, oh my God, that's a marvelous cake. But it's all the ingredients mm. combined with the right temperature, the right setting, the right amount of mixing and stirring. There's a lot of things that had to go into the combination to create that. And I love seeing that with people. I yeah. love it. There's something else though, like I don't have the words for it, but like say you see someone who you know, right? And you see they post something on Facebook of they've they've achieved something with their dog, right? Like yep. they've passed a trial, whatever. And you can feel happy for them, right? And you look at that and you go like, I am happy that that happened for you. But I feel like when I have helped somebody through it and I've been a part of the training, even when it's a tiny part, I feel a happiness about it that is different to feeling happy for them. It's my own. It's not contingent on them. And I don't really know fully how to explain but that. But you're connected to it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. But it's not a pride thing, like proud that I contributed. It's that because I contributed, I'm happy that it, it panned out, that like I was a part of that success and not in an essence, like I feel differently. Like I totally get what you're explaining, push the car and being part of the momentum, but it's like, I am the car, right? Like mm. I, I've become part of it. Like yep. I'm one of those wheels and I'm a tiny part of it. And more often than not, because people have to put in the work themselves, mm. but it's especially when, whenever you're training with the same people, it's really easy. And I find this a lot. This is one of the reasons why I'm so excited about the travel that I'm going to do next year. I'll get onto it in a minute, how much of a student I'm going to be next year. Right. I really love training with people that I don't normally get to train with. And that is one of the blessings in disguise of the travel that I get. Like when I do it and I go to teach, I learn more than I teach because you go places and you see other people problem solving things in ways that you didn't think of. Mm. I have a very big Rolodex of problem solving skills. Now my knowledge across dog training is pretty broad. It's not as deep as many people in specific areas, but it's pretty broad across a lot of things. And so when you're with someone and they're, they're clearly struggling with something and you go, I know how to fix that. Mm. I can show you right now. It's not that you know more than them or that you're better than them. It's that you know a thing that they don't know yet. And you only learn that because you were with somebody else. And the feeling that I get of being able to connect the dots and being the intermediary between two people who have never met, but you able to give the skill set from one person to another that leads to part of their success makes me feel like, like I said, I'm not pushing the car. I'm not happy that I've got momentum of the car. I am the fucking car. I am a part of that in a way, like a tiny way, but a, a meaningful way that makes me feel like I am part of the success. I yep. didn't, I, I didn't create part of the success. I am part of the success. Yeah. I it, entirely get it. Yeah. And I it's, entirely get it. it's a feeling that I had numbed myself to, like mm. I just had kind of been like I, I used to feel like that all the time. And, and I'm sure if you go back and listen to old episodes, there's part, like I can remember explaining this in, in the past, probably just as poorly as I'm explaining it now, <laughs> but I definitely numb myself to that for a period of time. And mm. I think that that had a lot to do with my inability to travel, my inability to teach properly. We discussed, we discussed that I sort of had a, a flat moment where I, I sort of questioned my own knowledge and ability before sort of coming to terms with the fact that like, I know what I know. And I'm like, if people are interested in learning it, I'm happy to teach it. it mm. There's people who know more, there's people who know less, you know, like if you want to learn from me, I'm happy to give you as much as I possibly can. 
it's interesting how motivation works like that. And you know, probably via email, you and I get at least once a week, uh, like incredible feedback from a listener in Patreon. We get incredible feedback. I get text messages and emails personally about stuff. I'm sure you do the same. Mm. I have this giant folder on my phone that I screenshot all that stuff, the really positive stuff that people send. And one thing that I, I learned is that you can't pay attention to the good stuff and totally ignore the bad stuff. So when I get negative feedback, I pay attention to it and I, I try and assess where it came from. Sometimes people who give me negative feedback or give us negative feedback that's true and appropriate and yeah. we should pay attention to yeah, it. Yeah, it's validated. And and sometimes they just mean spiteful right? And so every now and again when I need a pickup, I can go to that folder and I can read the things that people have said, right? And I can see, like I can give myself that reinforcement, that mm. motivation. But for a while there, all those emails were negative reinforcement. Every like, cause remember I tried to quit. I was like, I'm out Glenn. I'm fucking done. Like not to the point where we discussed stopping doing the podcast, but I was like, I'm, I'm phasing out mate. Like it's, we need to start thinking about yeah, how yeah, we wrap this up. I remember that conversation distinctly. And like every time I got an email, it was like, oh fuck. Like it was negative reinforcement. It still motivated me to stay doing the podcast and stay doing the things that I do. But it was more from a place of guilt. Like yeah. it was like, oh fuck, how do I stop? And I even found myself thinking like, oh, there's a big back catalog. Like they can just listen to all this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'd get these emails and I'd be like, oh, fuck another one. Right. And it would be like, how do I stop when I keep getting these? Mm. And, and now it, that was just a short period, right? There was just a few months where I kind of felt that way, but getting it at least once a week, it was a constant, it, it was in the forefront of my mind. But now I've fully swung the other way. I'm totally back to like, I get one. I'm like, how could I, like, this is amazing. And it drives me forward in a really positive sense rather than a negative sense. It, like it, it's, it literally is the difference between the same input, the exact same input being perceived by me as negative reinforcement or positive reinforcement. Mm. Like it, it totally is like one is, is pressure because I think, fuck, I have to keep going because I have to stop this pressure. And the other is like, holy fuck, I have to keep going because I'm seeking out that reinforcement. I want it to keep coming in. I'm going to keep doing it because I want more of it. I want to affect more people that way. I want to affect the industry as much as I can. So really like that's my circle jerk. That's me like giving a, a huge thank you to everybody that's ever gotten in contact with us and, and people who haven't but have thought it. It's a huge thank you from me to the people who have given us feedback it's a huge thank you to the people who like have been heinous fuckwits to us because we've got like, there's some funny, like I actually thought like we should read some of the terrible reviews, like, cause there's only a few when I read them and we know who they're from, they're all from fake names, but it's not hard to figure out the context in which they go down. And, and they're right? just horrendous shit people. But they remind me of, okay, those people exist. And they are someone who had the gall or the nerve or the balls or whatever, whatever you want to call it, to write that. But there's other people who, who feel the same but didn't write it. They're representative of a subset. I still appreciate getting those things. And at the time, it's always difficult. It's always horrible. But you can't, like in my opinion, you cannot, if you're going to read the comments you have to read the negative ones if you're going to read the positive ones. And that's like a Rogan thing, right? Like yep. you you can't just pay attention to the good and ignore the bad. If you want to see what people are saying about you, you have to take in the whole lot. Now you have to appreciate the lens through which people are saying these things like and, and all of that. But like I appreciate it because it, it's a course correction. You know like, okay, with a person like that, this is how that can pan out, right? And they're not isolated cases because there's two or three of them, right? So they're limited, but they're not – 
totally isolated. And mm. they're people that feel as though we've wronged them in one way or another. And that's fair. They can totally feel like that and they can say what they want. They can leave whatever kind of review. They can message us and just say and do all the ridiculous things that they've said. I now, again, have the capacity to look at that and be like, okay, well, that's good to know. I'm glad that that happened rather than that you suffer in silence because now I know how you feel. I don't agree with it and I think it's still outrageous, but at least I know. And with the next person who we encounter in a similar situation, I'll understand and I'll perhaps deal with differently because of the way that you've behaved. So like, I'm thankful for that as well. So Matt, I'm really happy. That's my circle jerk. And and I'm excited about 2023. I've got work goals. I've got personal goals. I learned a shit ton. He sometimes listens to the show, so I'll be careful saying it because he'll send me a bill, but I almost feel like I should have been paying the guys at Sales Sniper the amount of stuff that I actually learned from them yep. in regards to just business and sales and marketing and that kind of stuff. And I want to bring a lot of those skill sets into my normal day to day. Like I want, I'll be more successful in what I do because of the work that I did there. Mm. So I feel great. I'm super excited. I want to be careful though. <laughs> I talked about this on the Patreon live stream I did the other day. I do journaling, right? Like I on and off kind of throughout parts of my life and I'm really into it again at the moment. And next year I'm going to do a, a bullet journal. It's a type of journaling thing. And I've played with that in the past, but I'm committing it's to like trying to do it. like a gratitude journal sort of thing. No, nah, a bullet journal is interesting. It's, it's worth a YouTube, right? It's worth looking up because it's a, what the guy who invented it, it is the intersection of productivity and mindfulness. And he describes it as being like it's mindfulness concealed as a productivity hack. So I'll let you know how it goes. I'm actually changed the way that I plan for training. And, and you know, we spoke last week about having a plan for your training. Mm. And I want to demonstrate to people, I'm going to make a YouTube video eventually about how like the laying out training and, and how to actually plan, because it's one thing to say you should plan, but it's another entirely to do it. Oh, yeah. But so I was watching videos on bullet journals because a lot of people do them really prettily. Like there's different genres of it, right? People who use it just for productivity and use a black pen and just write and versus people who make them these beautiful things. And and some of the YouTube videos of the people like the calligraphers, they're all these like beautiful artists that make these incredible things in these journals. They're really relaxing, kind of nice videos to watch. And one of them was this lady opening up. <laughs> it was an old video. She was making her journal for 2020 and she was talking about what a shit year she'd had in 2019. And she was sure that 2020 was going to be her year and all the amazing success that she was going to get in 2020. And I was like, oh, lady, it didn't go that way. I actually felt so bad for her that I had to like click on her channel and go through her channel and make sure she was still okay. <laughs> Because she was so excited about 2020 being a year. But anyway, she was fine. A while back in a couple of episodes, I was talking about how people feed their dogs and they make these bowls of food where yeah. they layer all like sardines and yeah, duck feed. pretty and ones. Yeah. They're called pretty bowls or, mm -hmm. or something like that. It actually offended a few people because you were talking about a few people who give negative feedback. So some people I know and some people I don't know because it came through Narelle and she wouldn't tell me who said it. But some people came back and said they found what I said out of context and unfair. Mm -hmm. So what I'm going to say, and this is not a retraction anyway, but what I am going to say is that I do appreciate when people do things like that, when they have time to do things like that. And I also admire the art behind it as well. There are some businesses out there and some companies who have done some marvelous things like that. Like they've written books. They even use Norel's products. Like that's part of the list that they use. So I admire the artwork behind it. I admire that there are people who have time to do that. 
What I did say when I re-listened to it, it didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And I do want to insert an apology to the people who felt offended by it. What I meant to say was that there are people out there that insist that people do those sort of things for their dogs. Right. It's that level of nuttery that I see online where they make people feel small and they make people feel guilty because they don't do that for their dogs. But some people just don't have the time and they don't have the creativeness to be able to do that. Yeah. And it makes them feel small and it makes them feel like shit when they're seeing other people online do it who are stay-at-home mums who are still busy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they haven't got their work cut out for them. God damn, they have. But there are people who do have time in the day to be able to make that creative energy and they are that artistic and creative sort of person. And if you like doing that sort of thing, hey, power to you. I'm all for it. I think some of it is lovely. It shows that you're into your dog and that's your way of showing your dog that you care about your dog. I think you could still put a bowl of minced up, you know, you could literally put it through a blender and the dog would appreciate it all the same. It's really for you. You know, it's for you. It yeah, makes you art. feel good. It's, it's, it just is. It's art. It's art. It's wonderful. It's gorgeous stuff. It really is. But- don't make people feel like shit about it. If you want to do it and you like it, show people by all means. You know, put it on your social media, share it with people and say, I like doing this. It makes me feel good. It's my way of giving back to my dog. It makes me feel the dog is part of my family. And that's the expression that I see people doing with those pretty bowls and so forth is, yeah. I love you and you mean a lot to me. And this is how I want to express it. I've seen other people do it. I like it. It makes me feel part of a community. There's people who do that on the canine paradigm, wearing our shirts and getting involved and saying our sayings and doing all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, we feel like we're a bigger part of the community. But, again, please don't make people feel small about it. If they can't do it, if they haven't got the time to do it, it really does make people feel less than when there's an insistence. I saw one comment online which was the one that triggered me, which said, if you don't do this, you really have to question your love for your dog. And I thought, oh, you're going into some really dangerous territory saying shit like that. Yeah. Well, I think that, talking about parts of the industry, I think that the fur baby mummy and daddies that you see on Instagram especially, yep. I'm not really on TikTok. I intentionally have, have limiting my use of TikTok. I haven't been on it in a long time. Yeah. Unless someone sends me something to look at, I don't ever browse it. Yeah. I think that there's a, a subset of people who really – think they have a, a strong amount of knowledge in the dog training space, but in fact have next to none and do a lot of insistence on other people doing the same. And, mm. and like, for example, my niece, so that bully I'm training is my sister's dog. Realistically, it's probably her daughter's dog yep. as much as anybody else's. And uh, she has an Instagram for him. She's terrified of posting on the Instagram because one of the like earliest posts she puts up was him like laying on the floor. I can't even remember what it was. But she got attacked by some fur baby parent about like something nonsense. She's 14 at the time, right? And they don't know that. They don't know that they're abusing the fuck out of a 14-year-old girl. They just know that this is a person who's not doing the thing that I would do with a puppy. And it was something like the way that he was laying on the floor or something. Like he was on tiles and they're mm. like, a puppy should never be on tiles. And it's like, oh, fuck off. But so like you really don't know the effect that you can be having. I saw an interesting thing this morning, in fact, that was like a life hacks video and it was like 32 pieces of advice for 2023. And one, one of them was when you're engaging with anyone you don't know online, assume it's a 13-year-old child. Oh, yeah, that's insight, isn't it? Yeah, mm. because there's a good chance it is, for starters, and also just have that level of candor and 
politeness as you would talk to a child because you might be for starters, but also don't go into argument. Like you wouldn't, like if, if a 13 year old said something ridiculous, you just go, well, you're a 13 year old. You don't know shit. Mm. Right. And so like when people say ridiculous things, it's okay just to be like, oh, well, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't have to get into the, like at best I might say to people, oh, fuck off. <laughs> that might be as bad as I go. Yeah. I had a lady like the first video I put up of that bully was him pulling me on leash to a wedge. And she went on this tirade about how I was making him aggressive. Why would I intentionally make a dog like that aggressive? Bunch of angry emojis and whatever. And I didn't I didn't engage, I didn't say anything. That is actually a good point. And that was certainly something that was supposed to be on my list that didn't actually make it. I think in 2023, I feel that there are a lot of people who make challenging comments like that the one that you just received, with no concept of what they're talking about whatsoever. You have become part of a negative feedback circle jerk. All you're doing is you're taking the flame from some other person and they might have a small amount of knowledge about what they're talking about and you have none. But all you're doing is passing that flame around to an ever-growing circle of people who are probably bored, they're probably angry about something and this becomes your venting circle It really is. It's a negative feedback circle jerk. And that is very damaging and very harmful. Look what it's already done to our industry. Mm. If I can ask anything, if if there's any of those people who do listen to this podcast, and I would assume it's not many because we have so many positive people that are part of this community, but there are certainly people who would audit this just for the fuck of it. Please do yourself a favour in 2023. Research your topic of hatred. Find out a little bit more about it because what you're doing is actually really damaging. And the very thing that you're trying to prevent, you're causing more damage and harm to. Yeah, for sure. I think that's good advice. Mm. I think as well, one thing that much of the dog training industry, certainly different sides, different facets, different subsets have more and less inclusion in this, but is sort of the ability to scroll past something that doesn't affect you. (laughs) You just don't have to get involved in shit. That's a good point, right? Just keep on swiping. Find something that you're, you're more attracted to rather than something that gets your blood boiling. Take, for example, you remember when the video came out of the guy, it was in Vegas where he was beating a dog with the wiffle bat, right? So remember that. Yep. And so the entire dog training community, balanced trainers, everybody can look at that and go, that's abuse. You are abusing that dog. Absolutely, yes. And everybody called him out. Everybody, I, I didn't see a single person defend or support that guy. Even the franchise of which that he worked, they didn't try and defend him. Everybody was just like, nope, that's terrible. This is a police matter. The evidence is there. Let's get the police involved. Yeah, you're a criminal. The same thing happened with the two ladies with the Cane Corsos yep. just recently, yep. right? Yep. Same thing. There's not a single person that says, yeah, there were people like, oh, I'm shocked to see that. I didn't know that of them, but nobody defends that behavior because there it is. We see it. And it's important that we do that. We do police ourselves in, in not police ourselves in, you know, there's nothing we can do, but we at least inform each other and we say, hey, this is not okay And if you think it's okay, you can't be with us. If that's your style of training, then you're not a trainer. You are abusing dogs. That is abuse. Do you know what the issue to that though is? Is the definition of what people think abuse is. No, but that's that's where I'm headed with this, right? Okay, okay, cool. That's exactly kind of the issue is that if you've been told that allowing a dog to pull into a flat collar to get a wedge that's on the floor is abuse in the same way that I come out of the woodwork when someone's bashing a dog's head in with a wiffle bat. I'm like, hey, that's fucked up. You shouldn't do that. You're the bad guy in this situation. 
You should never be allowed to handle a dog again. You're like more than likely you're a big emotional man baby who's not in control of his actions, right? Like you you really need to see a therapist. You need a lot of help and you should not be around people or dogs or anybody unsupervised because you clearly have issues, right? I say that and I'm happy to contribute to that part of the conversation. The issue is then when people are so far down the madness rabbit hole of fur baby, like you can't tell a dog no, can't do anything, blah, blah, blah that they see me allowing a bulldog to pull into a flat collar to get a wedge that he wants and not just allowing it, but in fact, encouraging it is the same thing and requires the same level of outrage and commitment to it. Like that's when it becomes an issue and it's Mm. that sliding scale. And I think that's a big problem within the online space is that there's big voices to people who really, whose opinions are, you know, their opinion is as welcome as anybody else's, but that they're very wrong. They're just completely misguided. So how could they be welcomed if they're very, very wrong? Well, it's their opinion. They can voice it. But why would it be welcomed? Well. Because I wouldn't welcome something like that. I, I No, I guess welcome's not the right <laughs> point. They are allowed to voice it. There's a saying that everybody's entitled to their opinion. Yeah. yeah. And when you put anything out publicly, it's available for public critique. Yeah. My only, like what annoys me is when they then won't engage in conversation when you offer something back. All right. That's what, that's where it becomes problematic. I don't appreciate that because if when the guy beating the dog with the wiffle bat and I say, Hey, that's terrible. If he comes on and says, Hey man, you don't understand what was going down. That dog was coming at me and I had no choice but to defend myself. Then I say, well, that's not how it looked in the video, man. In the video, it looks like the dog didn't comply with what you wanted. So you hit him in the head with the bat. Right. And we can have a back and forth about it. And I'm happy to do that. But when somebody says to me, that's you're training your dog to be dangerous. If I then say back, I didn't say anything, but plenty of other people commented. It was people who mostly who know me and Mm. they know how I would want that conversation to steer. They weren't abusive. They were welcoming and and questioning of like, Hey, what makes you think that the people are closed minded to a conversation about it. And that's when you're unwelcome. When you, when you're like, I'm right. I don't care about the context in which this is going down. And I'm not interested in engaging in any kind of dialogue with you. Now, I'll engage in the dialogue with the worst animal offender, the worst, because I want to see how did they get to that point, right? Mm. I'll, I want to at least hold the conversation. And video is a funny thing. You don't get the right context. You don't know how things went down. So, you know, you might see a video of somebody who you would look at and say, if they are a trainer and you say, oh, that's terrible. Look at what he's doing to that dog. But then, you know, the, the 10 seconds prior to that clip can tell you a whole nother story about why that was happening. Maybe mm. he or somebody else is in danger or whatever. Right. So like I'm open to engaging in the dialogue, but that's when it becomes an issue. When you throw out like a really strong opinion, right or wrong, and then are not interested in discussing it any further. Like if you're not interested in discussing it any further, don't fucking say anything to start with. Yeah. Like don't just throw fuel on the fire and walk, walk away. That's my issue. Oh, there's plenty of that going on. There's plenty of online documentaries where I see people asking a question, uncomfortable truths that are spoken about in public where people are imposing a way of life, the way of life they want to follow. And they're saying, well, I believe this. You must believe it. Mm. And then when somebody asks a very valid point, they won't answer it. They just walk out of the conversation. Mm. I think that shows an incredible weakness and such a public disrespect on their behalf that they're not even willing to debate or sit there and talk about something that, yeah, okay, it's uncomfortable, but you put it out there. You're insisting that people facilitate you in in your belief. Why not answer the questions that the public then have about it? Mm. And it's the same sort of thing in our industry as well. There are uncomfortable things that we talk about. There's a person that stands out to my mind who 
is very capable of, of speaking their truths, sometimes to detriment, but nonetheless, they still do it and they manage to do it quite well. And that's Jason Furman, mm. you know, like Jason <laughs> says some remarkable things sometimes, but you know what? There are times where I've read some of the things he said or even heard him talking to people and I thought, power to you, man. Yeah. There's a lot of times where I really feel the need that I've got to give someone a strip down. Yeah. And yet I hold back because I think, well, I worry about how that could be perceived publicly because they're pulling me into, you know, like they're trying to release my darkness. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's a genie that's hard to get back in the bottle. Mm-hmm. But when I see Jason do it, I think, good on you, Jace. You have the ability to fucking step up and rip people a new one when they fucking have it coming. And yet I also saw online when Tracy Mammon got ripped off the other day that Furman on his own bat got all of the people in the industry together and a small group of people from the balance community all threw money in and within half a day, all of the money- Half that, an hour. It was Half a day. It was half a day. Was it? Yeah, it was it half was a day. super fast. Yeah, it was really fast. But- Furman and I were talking backwards because you donated, I did. There was a bunch of people. I'm not saying this for kudos for us. I'm saying kudos to the industry, those people. And there were even people after that that said, I want to support. But Jason said, no, no, I shut it down. We got we, yeah, raised, we, got what we, needed. we, ra- we raised what we needed. That's all we needed was just to help a good person who got fucked over, who couldn't afford for it to happen. And now, you know, the, the community has come together to do something like that. You made a mention of something about that the other day with Jace. You said there's a there's a side to Jason that other people don't get to see because he can be abrasive sometimes. But I don't look at that as a negative thing. I feel that I'm often disappointed in myself that I don't have the ability to be able to be more like that sometimes. Yeah, okay. I admire that in people because it shows an ability to be free of yeah. the shackles that sometimes you're confined by. The only thing bigger than Furman's balls is his heart. Yeah. Yeah. So like he says what he wants to say, but he says it with intention. And if he's wrong and he if it's proven so, then he's very happy to eat his he, words. He's not a mean person no, by, not by, the by any stretch. He's actually a very compassionate person. He hides it very well. Yeah. But he is he is nonetheless so very buy your dog gear from the Anzawina. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen Jace he is not a person that is running all the way to the bank. No. Nah. Jason lives very moderately. I remember when his property got washed out and he lost the bridge, his only connection to the mainland, and it was something like $80,000 that he had to put into his own pocket. Jason just absorbed that. Yeah. You know, that for him would have hurt him financially, really, really hurt him financially. So, yeah, I 100% agree with you. He's a small Aussie business. Sometimes Jace does it hard. He had to supplement with his security job. Recently, fucked his back up. He had an accident where he hurt his back really, really badly. Yeah, big surgery. Um, yeah, he's, well, he's still got multiple surgeries to come to fix him up. So, yeah, I entirely agree. You know, support somebody who would absolutely support you. Get in there and, and put your weight behind it. Share the love. Thanks. All right. Who else should we jerk off? There is something that I want to say based on when I was talking about I'm happy to see the year behind me. One of the things that I really want to try and encourage in other people and also – even within myself sometimes, is in 2022, I lost a significant person in my life, Dawn, which I talked about. I gave her Mm -hmm. quite a send up in some episodes ago. I have to build myself up to talk about this sometimes because I do feel very emotional about it. Dawn had the best pair of rose colored glasses I've ever seen in my life. However, that didn't mean that she was beyond letting you know 
if there was something you needed to know, whether it was good or bad. Dawn was probably one of the best of the people I've ever met in my life. And one thing that I really miss and I really felt at this Christmas was any time that I spoke to her and I'd pick up the phone to her, any time I call her, she'd say, hello, darling, how are you? And you just don't get that from a lot of people when you speak to them anymore. Mm. She always had this beautiful melodic voice. Most people that you speak to, you know, it doesn't mean that they're not happy to hear from you and they say, hey, mate, how are you doing? And that's their way. But Dawn always had this beautiful, beautiful way of speaking to people and making people feel special. She always put people before herself. Dawn kind of got it. She was one of these people in life that understood it's not about me. It's about us. Mm -hmm. It's about everybody. And I never heard her talking herself up, building herself up, trying to put herself before anybody in the conversation. Her general conversation was, how are you? Tell me about you. What's going on? And I thought to myself, I actually miss that in her. And I really look forward to finding more people like that in my life. Mm. I think sometimes people just get very busy and they get occupied. But right to the end, a week before she died, her and I had a really good conversation. I was driving home from the Northern Beaches to Dural and it takes me about an hour. And we talked solidly for about an hour. And even though she was experiencing, you know, a bit of memory loss and so forth, we really filled in some gaps about things that we did in our life. She was very special to me, like an amazing, amazing person. When those sort of people go, you realize I'm a little bit more alone than what I was before. Mm. Like even though I have people around me and I've still got some really amazing people in my life and I think about them regularly and and fondly, having Dawn go away was like having someone take your arm off your body. Mm. Like you, you notice it all the time and especially at Christmas. We'd talk to each other on our birthdays. It was a a regular thing that we did together. Like we just, there was nothing in it for her and there was nothing in it for me other than respect and love for each other. Mm. Don't ever take them for granted. Please make time for those type of people in your life because they are the most abundantly important people. And there's a lot of people who will come in and out of your life. Some are remarkable people and others are very nefarious. However, there are very, very few exceptionally special people. And having her gone made me revalue a lot of things in my life. The people that I want to be around, the people that I definitely don't want to be around. Even this year, I know that you and I spoke about this. This was the first time in the entire time I've been with this company where I questioned whether I was going to remain there or not. Mm. Not many people publicly know that. And it was only through conversations that I had with you, Melanie Benware, and 100% Narelle, which kept my sanity in it. And it's a people thing. It's mm. not It's not the job. You talked about this before because it aroused some memories and thoughts that I was having during that time because it was quite a dark period. And I was thinking to myself, am I staying because I want to stay or am I staying because I feel guilty about leaving? Mm. The family that own the company, the family that I work for, I adore those people. I just love them. They've always been good to us. And it wasn't about them, but I knew that it was going to become about them because of the the feelings that I was having. Mm. The fortunate thing is, is that when I need to speak about something, they listen to me and they afford me the space that I need to talk about things and get things off my chest. I was able to project how I was feeling and what I felt about what was going on. They were shocked and hurt, as you would be when you hear things like that with somebody who is a 
a high-ranking person and certainly somebody who's been in the majority of the history of the organisation, that that person is now thinking about stepping out of it entirely. I think I got to probably 11.59 of 12 o'clock of making that decision. And I think funny things can happen in that last minute. I'm just using that as an example, but I think remarkable changes can happen in that last minute, especially if you allow yourself to be open to discussing it rather than just becoming finalized about pulling the pin and just saying, well, that's it. And before that, I think that, you know, like right up to 11.59, there was a lot of assumptions on my behalf about how I felt about things, about how I felt that they were feeling about things. I realized about myself that I never really gave them the opportunity to sit down and have an honest conversation about it. Mm. I was conjuring up some of the worst thoughts in my head. And again, it's other people getting involved in it, other people's negativity and the venomous and toxic and vexatious thoughts and feelings that they have about things. Because we're growing, because we're getting, we are getting significantly bigger. The company has gone from two until 12 facilities that we own and manage and run. And there's a lot more staff. Even at the Christmas party, it was amazing to see how many people are becoming part of our team. And yet there were a significant amount of people missing because they're up north and Mm -hmm. they were doing their own thing. What you've got to remember is, yes, those people are still going to be there. Mm. You know, big, small, medium, whatever size you are, there are still going to be those people around you. I feel that going into this next year, some advice that I want to give you is something that I want to share myself based on my own experiences is if you do respect somebody and you do have fond feelings of them and they even form part of a love, which I do for this family that I work for, if you do have a love for these people, then sit down and allow the vulnerability of an honest conversation between you not to ruin something just because of the toxicity of other people Mm. because they will always be like that. Sometimes they enjoy that or they can't help it. And as I said, there have been some people that I've had to create distance from for whatever reason. And I have said this many times before, and I want to share this with everybody again openly and publicly. I don't entirely blame other people all the time. I take into account that the distance I want to create between myself and other people is sometimes that they need distance from me Mm. because for whatever reason, we have become incompatible. So I don't discount myself from blame in those sort of things. I never have. I've always looked at it. And even a part of the reason where I was thinking about withdrawing and, and leaving was because I was thinking, am I the common denominator? Am I the problem in this? And there was a part of analyzing the situation where I was calm and methodical about my thought processes, like what part do I play in this? And this is a conversation that I find a lot of people aren't willing to have with themselves. It's disappointing that some people aren't like this. They kind of look at it, well, I don't know if they do look at it, but they misbehave so poorly and yet they still feel that they should have all the privileges afforded to them by the very people that they extend that vexatious behavior towards. Mm. That's people, and I can't control that about them. I've tried to guide people. I've tried to shape them. I've tried to tell them. I've tried to do anything I can. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Mm. I've just had to accept that in life. My advice to you is don't suffer over it anymore. Move past it. We started off with this talking a bit about loyalty, Loyalty is a two-way street. Mm. If people aren't loyal to you and and they're not going to be and they've demonstrated that, move beyond it. You just have to let it go. Don't get caught up in it. Don't try and go tit for tat in it because 
there's another saying that I'm quite fond of is never get into an argument with an idiot because I'll just drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. Mm. Just don't do it. The times where I have done it, where I've felt like I've had to go toe-to-toe with them, I've lost and I've lost badly and I deserve to as well because I've been outmastered by somebody who's already had an agenda and they've set it up that way. I'm feeling more positive about this next year. I'm feeling that a lot of the baggage that I had and I was taking with me, I'm leaving it behind. I've been able to share in other stories with other people who helped me during my time and I've also been able to be an assistance to theirs because not that misery loves company and we're talking about the miserable things, but it's more about the case that some of these people who have been listening to me and offering salient advice, the advice has been gold. It's not advice of fuck them, yeah, they're assholes, they treat you like shit, they don't deserve you. That's not the type of friend I needed. That's not the type of monologue I needed from those people. What I needed was I needed people to listen to me and tell me if I was doing the wrong thing. And sometimes they did. Mm. You know, sometimes they said, I think you really need to re-examine how you're approaching this and the mindset that you have. I cannot tell you, and you know who you are out there, I cannot tell you how much that meant to me over the time where I was experiencing a lot of difficulties over you know, the last six months that we got to have some very, very important and very raw conversations that really made me go away and rethink everything and re-strategize. I would like that for a lot of other people. When I'm reading comments in some of the social media posts, there's too many of you that you think you're being a friend to some of these people, but you're really not. When you're just saying, you go girl, or you just do this, or you just do that, Some of those people are on a really bad trajectory and all you're doing is basically saying the best way to put out fire is to throw fuel on top of it. That will help it run its course. All that does is brings extra heat to it. Mm. So, yeah, not really a circle jerk in that sort of sense. but Well, let me turn it into a circle jerk. Okay. Yeah, listening to you talk then – really highlights the need for strong community. Yes. And and I think that is what we can joke each other off now. Congratulations. It's, we, can, <laughs> we can turn inwards. That's what uh, I think that we have been able to provide to an extent yeah. within this space. And I think that the more support you can give within that community, the more support there will be for you when you are the person who needs support. And so like that's my plea to everybody within our space in 2023 is that, you know, we are, uh, whether you're a balanced trainer or whatever you call yourself, if you're listening to the show and you support actual dog training, however that goes down, then lend your support to each other wherever possible. And within that space, and, and that community largely exists around a Facebook group, I want to next year, you know, look at getting a discord going and probably like an email list and that sort of stuff to Mm. strengthen that community. And, you know, the issue with an email list is kind of a one-way conversation and I want to keep it as more of a community-based conversation. I want to find the best way to do that. I want to do more live streams where other people are involved. I want to do more to strengthen that community. And like I say, when you can contribute to being the support within that community, because at some point you'll need that support and yep. the more that you've given prior, the more there'll be, the more surplus there'll be to come back to you later on. And we've experienced that. I've experienced that individually. I try and give as much support to people as I can. And I'm always overwhelmed by what comes back whenever I need it. We really want for nothing, you and I. Everything that we ask for people to do, 
they do. You made a plea at the last episode for people who, you know, if you appreciate the show and support it, jump into Patreon and people did. And that amazing community support seems endless. And I think that the more we can keep doing of that, the better. And whether like, it's not that it's under our banner or anything like that. It's just that it is a group of people. And we've think that we've established a place and a group and a network of people who are able to offer that support. And if you need that support, come in, take what you need and stick around so that you can give back later on when somebody else needs that yeah. same support. Yeah. I like uh, it. Mate, I'm always amazed. Like, and, and some of the people that we've encountered within, you know, from doing this and, and being in the dog training that space. That we've never met. We've never met them. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm. People who you probably don't even know their real name because they use some alias on online and you'd could walk past them on the street and you'd never know the amount of support that they've yep. given you. And I touched on it before. I said I'd speak on it more. It's like, I want to become a student. I'm, I'm always a student, but next year I have a focus on decoy skills because I've made it a mission of mine that I want to upskill uh, the decoys in Australia, but I'm not that good. Take, for example, this level of support from all around good guy, Sean, when I'm having a conversation with him and say, oh, you know, like I'm trying to upskill people to be decoys, but it's really not my area of expertise. Like I'm, I'm sufficient at it. Like I can do it, but it's never something that I've thought that I should be a teacher of. And he's like, well, come over. Like, you know, I'm doing a seminar at his place in February. It's like, come over a week early and we'll spend a week together and mm. I will upskill you so that you can then continue to, to come back to Australia and continue to upskill people there. And I'm organizing other people along the way who are people who I like barely know. And when I contact them and say, Hey, you are good. Can I spend a day with you? And like, I'm going to pay them, right? Like I'm not like asking for this for free, but can I spend a day with you? I'm going to be in your area. I'm doing an event, you know, whenever, can I spend a day with you before the event? And I just want to sort of, I literally am telling people, I want to steal your information. I have intent to pass it on to as many people as I can. Yep. The support I always get is like, fuck yeah, come around. And like, that's the sort of thing that I want more of in the community, more of that support and growth, because we're all trying to achieve the same thing. And at the end of the day, we call ourselves dog trainers and, and we all, when you strip away the layers of why and how we do things, it's always because we have big feelings about the dogs and you know, it doesn't matter really what area of dogs you get into. That's why people are at it. You know, whether you're in rescue doesn't have a monopoly on being the people who are in it for the dogs. Rescue do it tough, right? There's a lot of people who put in a lot of blood, sweat and tears because those are dogs that need love and attention and they need homes and all the sorts of things they do. But then you even look at the highest level dog sport competitors are doing so to, to very often to maintain the breed standards. Mm. They're showing like, this is what a dog needs to be. And so when you peel away all the layers, that's where all in it for the dogs. And by attacking each other, it doesn't help the dogs at all. Indeed. We might have different ideas of what's important, but we're all doing it because we think that it is. And it probably all is important in its own individual way. And the more support that we can give to each other, you know, and supporting your cross-platform supporting. So, yep, I don't know shit about herding, but I support you and you'll you want to do it, your need to do it, and I'll, I'll do what I can to point a spotlight on it for you and that kind of thing. Mm. The more that we can get of that, the better off our community will be. Bravo. Jerk, jerk, jerk. Yep. We did it. We did it. Have a cigarette. Oh, I'm spent. Well, we're on the jerk train, and just as we're about to head into the wind-up, some good news for us is – Andrew Clark has come on as our training manager for our organization. Oh, here? Yep. Sweet. 
I'm ecstatic about it. We've been talking about it for about six months. We finally came to an agreement and he's decided to come on. We should get him back on the show. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because he was one of the earliest guests. Like He was one of our first original guests that we had on the show. Fourth or fifth episode, something yep. like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, the fourth was Mysteries of the Box. Oh, yeah. So it's around that er- yeah, it's era. Yeah, it's early days, yeah. But yeah, Andrew's coming on board. He put up a post in one of the Northern Beaches Facebook pages the other day about a dog wearing a prong column and literally got torn to shreds. And Andrew holds his ground. He's very, you know, like when you talk about stoicism, Andrew is that person that comes to mind. He puts things up. He allows people to rip him to shreds. And certainly a lot of people did. They all came in and. Oh, there's a whole army that oh, has been mobilized on the Northern Beaches against him. Yeah. But by Andrew, a key individual who. He, he just doesn't care. Yeah. He he just puts it there and then he, he starts asking the question, well, if you're going to say that, stick around and, and tell me why. Like, could you show me the material that you're talking about? Yeah. I love him for it. Yeah. You know, I just think it's amazing. We were talking about Andrew Clark before and I just wanted to say how proud I am of Andrew and multiple others who speak their truths. They allow that to happen and that's part of vulnerability, right, is that you put things up and then you're prepared to back it and say, okay, well, I'm I'm here. I want to have a conversation about it. Mm -hmm. So don't tell me I'm a piece of shit and then start flooding my post with don't listen to this person, he's crazy, and then not back it up. Andrew, amazing work, mate. I really appreciate you and I'm glad to have you as part of the team member. That's a jerk for Andrew, so he gets one as well. There you go. There's lots of lotion, lots of hand cream going around at this point. <laughs> you got too far. Time. Stop it, stop it. Yep. And the finish up, I definitely want to extend my appreciation to my wife, Narelle, who's just been doing an amazing job with her business, Caninceuticals, which is not only a plug, but also I've seen how hard she's been working on this and i I know that there's many people in this community who got in and supported her in the early days and have continued to do so. The wonderful thing about it is they didn't do it just out of blind loyalty. They've come back and said, this shit makes a difference. Mm. It's absolutely amazing what it's done to my dog. That's really what Narelle wanted out of this. It wasn't the financial gain out of it because I can tell you right now, she works seven days a week. She starts a day at 5.30 and she ends at about 8.30 at night. And probably nine-tenths of that is working on canine surgicals. So she's exhausted. She's absolutely terribly exhausted at the moment. But she does it nonetheless. She wants to make sure that when people put an order in, it's in the mail literally straight away. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how much I appreciate so many people here that did get in and supported her because she's coming up in January to her first birthday. Oh, wow. It's been that long. First birthday. She's never had a day without a sale the entire time that it started to right up to this date. There's been a sale every single day. So even through Christmas, the whole time somebody's bought something off her, but they're doing it with intent. Like it's actually working. They're seeing transformations. They're seeing their dogs benefiting from it. And as I said to you before, that's really what she wanted out of this. Mm. She wanted to see the world change for the better and people not just sort of buying a product that sits there with some interesting marketing but has no actual backing to it. Yeah, yeah. For her, that would be horrifying. She's not trying to live a king it. No way. She's (laughs) – that poor guy got exposed, didn't he? Fuck him. (laughs) So, honey, I'm really proud of you. You've done a tremendous job. I know I tell you every day, but I want to publicly tell everybody too while we're jerking everyone off. All right. Yeah. That's it for another episode of the Canon Paradigm. As always, if you like what you hear, get onto some sort of platform and jerk us off on there. (laughs) (laughs) This is Uh, is like become an expectation now at the end of the year, everybody has to get jerked off. Was it our first year that we said it was the circle jerk? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 
If you like the show, jump onto whatever subscription service you download us from and leave us a review. A good one would be ideal. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is to jump into Patreon. There's tons of content in there. Three bucks a month gets you access to that big backlog. Ten bucks gets you access to the live stream every month. There's Mm. all kinds of different tiers you can jump into there. More than anything, it's just about supporting the show. Support us. We can continue doing it. We need a new website built next yeah. year. We've been discussing that. That's what we're saving for at the That's moment. That's going to cost us about 20K to get a website. Shit. That- Do we know someone? Can we? Because we've asked for this a few times, right? Well, Does anyone the, the get difficulty is, is that we, because we're- it's migrating it. Yeah, it's migrating it. We're a podcast show. So there's a lot of fuckery that goes around yeah. with it. And that's where all the money sort of comes from. Yeah. And then layering in all the Google analytics into it. And yeah. you've got to have somebody that really understands the minutiae of putting yeah. a website together. And- if you that's know, you, get in contact with us. Yeah, for sure. But don't fuck it or we'll tell everyone. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pay you. Yeah. All right, do that. Buy a T-shirt, get on a Teespring, get some cool stuff, socks, underpants, water bottles. and <laughs> <laughs> None of that. <laughs> if you want to get in contact with us and if you want to stay a part of the community and be involved in the Circle Jerk, jump into our discussion group on Facebook. Like I said, next year I want to try and expand that. I want to try and, you know, investigate other platforms that are – a bit more sort of community based where people can have their say more, right? Either Facebook does that, but I just don't know that p- that many people are on Facebook, especially when you look at the number of people in the group versus the number of downloads that don't match up. So a lot of you aren't on Facebook. We have to find you at wherever you are. We're almost getting to the stage where we need a media manager, mm. but then we need more money. To yeah, pay I was say, that. We don't have any money for that. Uh, <laughs> If you want to get in contact with us directly, get in touch with us individually or you can shoot us an email. We are info at thecanonparadigm.com. Goodbye.